Hello, and welcome to the Guardian Test Prep Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Seitz. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Seitz, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Guardian Test Prep, an NREMT test prep company that specializes in helping EMT and paramedic students pass their national registry exam. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. So in September, I read the Lord of the Rings $1 billion TV series is being released. Season Live one. action. Is it? Well, yeah, it's real it's people. It's a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, who, do you know what platform it's on? I do not. I know they they said recently that they like may or may not have nudity in it because they're trying to like compete with HBO's Game of Thrones. That's awesome. So, I know. Makes it I even hope, better. I hope it's Frodo. You know. Wait, what? What? You hope the nudity is Frodo? Let's just, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, welcome to uh, Guardian Test Prep's Back to Basic podcast. Uh, we are excited today to give you some testing tricks and tips. So yeah, as many of you know, obviously we do the test prep side of things as well. And what we find is that even if you study your hardest, even if you know the content really well, we still you have still students. still fail every time. No, that's the test not. prep hasn't helped anyone. <laughs> no, we've had a lot, of, a lot of luck with our test prep program, but a lot of it comes down to, do you understand the test itself? Yeah. So what we find with a lot of students who do struggle, even though they do know the content, even though they have studied hard is that they don't know how to take this type of test or this test specifically. So today we want to take some time to go over some test taking uh, tips, tips and, and tricks. tricks. And uh, I hope that's what we're naming this. Otherwise, we're just going to have a bunch, <laughs> of, a bunch of time. No, yeah. The, the most common, I think, complaint that I get about the NREMT is that people just they're I'm not a test taker. I'm not a test taker. I have test anxiety. Like, hey, welcome to my life. Like, that's why we made this program. Like, I, we made this program essentially based off of my Jason's first experience go. failing the exam eight one time. Times. No, one time. <laughs> no, but I, uh, when I originally took the exam, you know, this is a program that I really would want, I would have wanted to have in place for me. And it allowed me to, you know, kind of create something that I think would have been beneficial to me back then. But I had to very much learn how to take these types of exams. And a lot of that stuff you passed on from a lot of your, you know, med school and well, that's cat and, and that's what I was going to say. So exam. it's not just this exam. So I actually took one. So in medical school, there's like multiple exams you have to take. And the the it's like step one, step two, and step three. Step three is the last one. It's really considered the easiest the in the third. sense of, what's that? The third one. It's the third one, the last <laughs> one. But it's the last one before you like graduate medical school. And it's technically the easiest because it has much more to do with like patient care. You've already made it through the other ones. So by the time you get to that point, like, but I took it and failed it. And I'd never, I didn't fail the harder ones and I'd studied really well for this one and I could not figure out what had happened. So I literally called, I was, I was just kind of a me. I, 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 I'm usually pretty honest with myself. Like I, if I didn't study hard enough, I remember this, but I, yeah. So I called the test, the, the, the tests, not the test center, but the actual like board that does the test. Yeah. And I said, can you tell me what happened? And they're like, well, let me look. And like, apparently like I had thought I was in the demo questions and just like clicked to the end and didn't do the first 50 questions of the exam. Yeah. Because I just did, again, I, I wasn't familiar with the in my mind platform. In my mind, I feel like you like had forgotten it. How I remember this is like you had forgotten to do like the other sheet, like the back sheet of uh, the piece of paper. Yeah, I know it didn't work that it's way. It's the computer <laughs> like, version of that. Mind, yeah. yeah, the it's computer like version of on the back. Right, so. well, I thought I was, it was like, I thought the first question in the section was a demo question. It was like, do you want to skip to the next section? And I was like, yep, yep. just skip through the whole first section of the test. Oh, wow. Yeah, Why would they so. even allow that as an option? That's what I don't understand about this. Well, true, but again, we'll talk just about to, demo questions in here too. But yeah, yeah, test taking is is something that I don't think school necessarily prepares you for in the sense that like you're you're used to taking tests a certain way, but these like big licensure exams you're not used to. I'm like that being said, I did take it a second time and still failed because I even know <laughs> I, just kidding, no, I, I was, was going to be like, and that sums up Chris's story about almost becoming a doctor. It's <laughs> right, like, wait, he's not. Right. <laughs> so, um. All right, yeah, so we'll jump right in, into it. So one of the biggest hangups with people is adaptive testing. Mm -hmm. So in order to understand the NREMT and other exams like it, the NCLEX is like this too, um, you have to understand the difference between linear exams and adaptive exams. So what we're used to is what's called a linear exam. What you're used to in, in normal school is that if you have 100 questions, you get 75 of them right, you get a 75%, right? It's as simple as that. And you are judged based on how high of a percentage you get. Right. So if you can get the majority, a certain majority of questions right, you win the day and you get an A, B, 
see whatever passing right. score, right? Adaptive exams don't work that way at all. So a couple of things with linear exams, questions are equal for everyone. So if I'm taking the exact same exam you are, and it is based on the amount of correct answers. Mm-hmm. With an adaptive exam, the questions are going to adapt to you individually. So what's going to happen is we're not going to take the same exam. In fact, you would never even take the exa- same exam twice. So depending on how you're answering questions, we don't all even get the same first question. How you're answering questions is going to determine the next question that you're going to give you, both in topic sometimes and in difficulty. And it's not about the amount of correct answers you get, which is, I think is the biggest hang up for people. Yeah. It's about the level of correct answers you're getting, correct answers you're getting. So in order to explain this, I wish I could, could like pull up a chart, but I want to explain this. Let's say you and I are making an adaptive test and we decide that we write levels of questions and an easy question is just kind of like a true or false and a hard question is a whole scenario based question, right? And we level these questions from one to 10. All right. So a 10 would be a really hard question and one would be a really easy question. Everyone should be able to get a one. It should be very difficult for anyone to get a 10, right? Mm-hmm. We make an exam. And then what we decide is that we want people to, on average, in order to pass this exam and be ready to go have their license and be out in the field, we want them to average a level five question, right? So what that means is if you take question number one and we start you out with a level two question and you get it right, that's great. Then you get level, you get a level three question, you get it right. And then it adapts to you, it gives you a level four question, you get it right. And this is an elementary example. It'll give you several, several versions of these questions might bounce around a little bit. And then you get a level five question. And you get it wrong. Are you passing or failing the test? You've just got a lot of right answers. You're, are you you're failing, or failing, you're failing the, test? the test? Technically, you're failing the test. You have not proven that you can get above a level five question. Correct me if I'm wrong, but also you could get in a level two question, you get it right. And then it gives you a level eight question and you get it wrong. And it gives you a level seven question, you get it wrong. It gives you a level six question, you get it wrong. It gives you a level five question, you get it right. You just pass. You're passing the test. Right. But, but what has my brain told me, right? Because I'm used to linear exams, my brain has told me, I'm getting over 50% of the questions wrong. I must be failing, right? right? And that happens constantly. What a lot of times happens is you get to that level five. And again, I don't know if it's like level five for the NREMT. This is just an example. But you get to that level five and you get it right. Then they give you a level six, you get it wrong. You get a level five right. You get a level six, it gives you wrong. You get a level five right. Gives you a level seven, you get it wrong. You get a level five right. So now in your mind, 50% of the questions you're getting wrong. If you were taking a linear exam and you were getting 50%, 50% of the material you weren't sure you knew, right. you would feel like you were failing the test. And that is a failing grade, right? 50% would be an F. Yeah. So it tricks our mind into thinking, and that I think is the problem with it. It makes sense from an educator standpoint of, wow, this is a great way we can have a custom test. You know, that's a difficult test to cheat on, right? We can't share answers or anything like that. It really gives like expansive... um. Like in terms of the data that you can pull from it, you can get really expansive data into in how people are answering. And it really, it, it determines whether you have a deep understanding of the material. However, I, for the test taker, right. it's horrible. It feels like you're failing. It's a psychological issue because right. the thing is too, is like, I mean, I think there's been a lot of um, complaints in general across all education that tests don't really measure people's um, what am I trying to say? Skill level. Or, yeah. They don't yeah. really measure people's skill level. What they so an adaptive test probably does a it does a it does a way better job of that. Like it's solving the problem of hey this is this is actually a more fair test. Mm-hmm. But because psychologically we've grown up always taking linear exams, yeah. Like if, had we always taken adaptive exams and understood that as children, like I feel like this exam wouldn't be that like it would be yeah. common sense. Yeah. But it's 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 our it's ingrained in us that like the number of questions right is how well I'm doing. It's just like a societal thing almost. You know, and sometimes that knowledge right there about the NREMT is enough for people to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I just, if I'm getting a bunch of questions wrong, it actually might be a good sign. And just that little mental click is sometimes enough to get rid of that anxiety of like, okay, don't worry about it. Right. And this is the reason that we say this a lot. You know, we'll go on Facebook and forums and stuff like that. And people are like, I got 75 questions. Did I get, did I pass a test? And it's like, I don't. I don't know why I gave myself a country accent in that. I guess I just <laughs> be rude. Like, like Facebook people are just like hicks or something. I don't know why I did that. But anyway, um, did I pass the test? It, it doesn't matter. The, the amount of questions does not matter. You can pass with 75 questions. You can pass with the max amount of questions. They might give you, as a doc, they might give you like 45 below level five questions before they even get you to a level five questions. And you're getting all of those right, but it doesn't matter for their data. Right. So they're doing statistical analysis on like each question. So just the amount just doesn't matter. But what happens is people get, they find out that, 
I think it's somewhere around right now. It's somewhere around 75 for a paramedic test. And the NREMT is like the cutoff. So if you, you can, that's the minimum amount of questions that you'll be asked. The minute someone gets to 76, they think I must be failing because the test is trying to give me a chance to pass now. And I haven't guaranteed that I pass at 75. I haven't convinced the test by 75 that I'm passing. And that just throws people off. And it happened to me. I got to 75 and immediately shut down the first time I took this test. Cause I was like, why well, didn't I ace it? Cause that's what it feels like. I, 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 if I aced it, it would know by now. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't, you don't know that that's not you true just don't know that right there's also test sampling questions in there that like don't weigh in on the score whatsoever they like want to see if those questions are any good for well, future tests and they want to test like so think about it in our example of like level one to ten if i have like a level seven question that i'm not sure if it should be a level seven question or a level five question how am i going to test that I'm going to give it to a bunch of people and see how they score on it. And that's right? a sampling that we can research. Exactly. So, so, so 75, 85, 90 questions. I mean, like it, it has nothing. It's, it's all about the statistical data of like, maybe I'm measuring these questions. Maybe, maybe you aced all these sections and I need to ask you a couple extra questions in one section to be able to statistically show that you yeah. I mean, it just, it, yeah. And, and we're not making this up. So like you can go on the NREMT site. I don't know if you can like, oh, find we're, it. We're not making this <laughs> up. No, I don't know if you can find it anymore because the video that kind of explains it from their perspective and, and how that works, it goes more into the statistical analysis. But the, this guy at one point in this interview, it's like, it's gotta be from the nineties. It looks like an older video, yeah. but this guy goes, it doesn't matter if you ace the test or if you bombed the test it doesn't matter if you're like a level 10 genius or you're a level one and you're really struggling everyone walks out of the nramt having failed about 50 percent of the questions yeah because the thing is is if you sit down with your your prior knowledge base it's going to give you all level 10 questions the whole time and you're going to be struggling in the nine to ten range you'll get nine right you get ten wrong you get nine right you get ten wrong you fail 50 percent of the questions right me i go in as a brand new you know guy and i and i, I take it i might be struggling with Five six five six five six or one two one two one two. It doesn't matter if you're really good at the test or you're yeah. really bad at the test. So by default, half of the you're questions getting, yeah. you have to get wrong. You will get to... around fifty percent of the questions wrong. So you will always leave the exam feeling like you failed yeah. every single time. You know, no one walks out. And if you walked <clears> out feeling like you passed because you feel like you got more than fifty percent of the questions wrong, the test is probably giving you such easy questions because you're doing poorly or not. I mean, or not right or you. It, it, again, you just even, whether yeah. you feel good or bad doesn't really matter, right? right? I mean, like and that's where it's it's a mental game of convincing. Because I also don't want people to get because they're like, oh, I'm getting all these questions right, which means I'm failing. You know what I mean, like, yeah. it's not that either. It, you know, yeah, you can't hyperanalyze each question in front of you. You just got to yeah. you got to answer each question and tackle each question as an individual test. If you can look at it that way, then you'll be okay. What I had to do the second time I took it is I literally had to put my head down when I hit 75 questions. Just put my head down, take a rest, and then set my head up and act like I was taking a new test, start over and just keep plugging away. Yeah. And I say this all the time. I preach this all the time. This is the same, the information that we're going over right now is essentially covering a PowerPoint that I'll take struggling students through in our program. And I walk them through how the NREMT works. And I preach this all the time, at least twice a week, I'm meeting with a student on a zoom call and, and taking them through this information. And yet when I went and took my NCLEX, do you remember what I called you and said? Yeah, you're like, I failed I said, it. I think I, I completely it. bombed it. I feel like I got 50% of them wrong. I completely bombed it. I had no idea what they were asking me. Not only did I not understand the question, I didn't understand what any of the answers meant. <laughs> you did and say you were that. like, yeah, but like you tell people all the time, that means that you could be doing really good. I'm like, there's no way. A 99% chance I didn't pass this test. And I passed it. Right. So, you know, I know I'm, <laughs> I'm a little hypocritical with this, but no, just understand like we can learn from the from the past mistakes and other people making these mistakes. Like just Trust your, trust your training, trust the knowledge base that you have. I like what you said. Just approach it. I like what you said about like taking each question as its own test. Yeah. Because two, I, I, and I know I've done this on exams in the past where like I get a question on, let's say I get a question on, you know, COPD and then I get another question on COPD and I'm like, well, I answered the other one this way, but I wasn't sure. So on this one, I'm going to answer it this way. They're to better consistency. To, well, to, to better my chances of getting one of them right. Well, on the on, on the NRMT, that it that, mixes it. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't work, right? Yeah, so absolutely. every question is different. Even if it's the exact same question, answer it the way you think is the correct. I mean, every question is its own test, yeah. like you said. And Don't try to game the test in that way. Like it's just it's yeah. not going to work. The, the test is designed where it won't allow you to do that. I had the first time I took it, I think I had. I had like a, probably a dozen or two dozen questions about burns. And like people ask me how the NRANT go. And I'm like, no, your burn stuff. It's all about burns. You know what I mean? And well, my second and one, I had like one question, right? That doesn't necessarily mean I aced that burn question or I was struggling with burn questions before. It's just the sampling that it decided to give me. Yeah. So 
it'll do this in every individual section, you know, medical, OB-GYN, um, uh, trauma, cardiology. It'll, it'll do each individual section, and that's why you get a printout at the end where it'll say you were near passing in certain areas, you were failing in certain areas, and then you were passing It will in test others. you in each section. It just may give you a couple questions in one and a bunch in the other. Yeah. So ask, and this is another thing we run into, asking people what's going to be on the, what was on your exam is a really bad way to study. Yeah. It's why our program does really well, because we literally cover all the high-yield stuff that could show up. Right. And we don't get into like all the like, you know, like the low end, like, oh, there's a 10% chance you might see a couple of these things. No, we focus on like the 90 some percent of stuff that's high yield that you, we know you're going to see, we're definitely going to see, but it's not like, like you said, like if, if you told someone like study burns, they could get no burn questions, right? right? That could be the trauma version of their hypothermia. I mean, like it does the most frustrating you know, question that we see online is what's on the NRMT. Like, what should I study? It's like, yeah. you have, you have to study all you of should it. www.guardiantestprep.com's yes. NREMT test prep program. So then the last thing I want to mention too, is that in order to test someone at that level five level, like they might decide to ask you 20 level four questions and then say, Hey, he's good enough in that area. Or they might ask you one level 10 question. And that's why you might not see, you might see one burn question or not any at all, or cause they got you something somewhere else in trauma. You know what I mean? Right. So it, if they ask you one level 10 question, you get that right. They might not ask you any further questions in that category. Cause they're like, you know, well, again, again, a little bit of an extreme example, but they, yeah. They will literally just move you on because they're like, he, he answered those crazy high, high level questions. We're not going to ask him questions about that. In the same situation, technically, it is a possibility that if you fail like two or three level one questions, they might just be like, hey, you know what? He's not cut out for this part. So we're going to move on to the next the next portion. Right. So just stop trying to understand why the, the test is asking you the next question. Just take the test. Yeah. Just take the test. Approach each question like it's its own. Test. And you don't have to pass every topic either right like maybe like you failed the burn but they'll give you other right yeah well you have to you have to pass every category but you don't have to pass every topic that's what that it, yeah that's what yeah. I mean. so like so, trauma you know what i mean like if you failed the burn questions but then they ask you stuff about you know major bleeding or something like that you can still pass trauma yeah going through yeah that subject. that's what yeah, I mean. they're not going to take you through every subject by any means so that's kind of just understanding the test hopefully that helps you guys out a little bit now let's move on to kind of just simple test taking tips and, and just so you guys know, this isn't, we're not going to tell you like always pick C, like it's not no. one of those gamey, you know, cheat the test type of situation. Like this is pretty specific and this is coming from people who write a lot of test questions and have had training on how to write questions for the NREMT. So, um, some simple stuff, prepare yourself for the test, right? Like Study. nothing substitutes preparation, right? And we talk a lot about, um, one of the best things I think that you've ever said to me, Chris, is you when you were in med school, you bounced around a lot with your study plan. You'd like try a program online and then yeah. you'd be like, oh no, I, I remember like talking to you every week. It was like, but this time I'm going to highlight and you were always kind of trying to find the well, best way to study. And what right? happened, yeah. And what happens is a lot of students that they, they ask their buddies like, oh, how did you study? How are you studying? And, and, and again, you have this tendency to, you're like, okay, I'm going to read the textbook and then I'm going to take notes. And then you're like, well, so-and-so is writing note cards. And you, again, you jump around to different strategies hands down and i always say like perfect is the enemy of good this is the so, quote it's coming what this is the quote it's coming i don't now i'm not gonna what quote you always say, i think i have it in this powerpoint you say this is something i say all the time a good plan executed fully is better than the perfect plan not executed yes correct that's not my Honestly, quote that I, i'm not, sure i found that some online. general said that yeah, yeah, yeah it doesn't sound like a chris thing to say no. but you you said something along those lines when you were talking about how i should study for the paramedic but that apply that applies what i'm saying yeah. is like if you wait to find the perfect study plan you won't study you won't get through the material right. just find a study plan that works for you and stick with it and cover everything that's why we say like even with our program like just do the whole program maybe our voices bother you or like the video doesn't resonate yeah. with you or the workbook, just do it the whole thing because like doing the whole thing and completing everything you've seen the material now two or three times yeah. is going to go farther than if you studied perfectly like one section out of if five. If you do 2% of our content and 2% of somebody else's content and you 2% of the time you are reading the textbook and taking notes, like you never completely fully completed studying for anything. You didn't put enough effort into any study area and you're going to fail now. And because of the way the NREMT is, what we see and what we see people do when you and this is why we don't subscribe to the idea of only using question banks when you study, because what happens is, is you continue to get the same questions right and you continue to get the same questions wrong. And on one test, more of the ones, you know, are on there. So you pass that practice test on another test, less of those are on there. So you fail it. And like 
You're not lear- you're not you're learning not educating anything. yourself. You're, you're yeah. just question yourself. banks should always be used in a format of you take a question. If you get it right, you make sure you understand why you got it right. If you get it wrong, you go and read that section of your course book to figure out why each question. You know, that's how a question bank should yeah. be used. And it's slow and it's steady and people don't like that. And I understand that. But we're going to kind of walk you through a way to start reading questions in order to help you walk through that process and actually educate yourself through the questions. I'm hoping that by the end of this, you guys understand that like testing yourself is part of your study plan. Like testing doesn't have to be a scary thing. Testing is an education tool. Yeah. In fact, I would say that testing is more often used as an education tool than it is used as an evaluation of your, your prior education. Sure. Like the NREMT, it's an evaluation of your prior education, but all the tests you take in your medic program or your EMT program, those are designed to make you learn is yeah. to teach you things. So through failure or success, right? So when you're preparing for the test, stick with a plan. I'm just going to share you my, with you my story real quick. When I started the paramedic program, I had decided that how I was going to study for it was I was going to read the textbook. I was going to then go back over the textbook, the chapters that I had to do and highlight the key points. I then would go back over it again and I would note the points that I highlighted. And then I would take those notes and I would lecture myself, my, my wife or my girlfriend at the time, or you or I'd, I'd find, you know, my sister or something, and I would lecture it to them and try to explain to them, or I'd just lecture myself in the mirror. Now, was that, a, was that an efficient way to study for the test? Not at all. It took hours, <laughs> hours and hours to go over two or three chapters. But did I do it the entire time? Yeah. Did I ace the program? Yeah. Right. So I knew it worked. It didn't matter that it was efficient. I wasn't going to, because of what you had said from the beginning, I wasn't going to start looking at my neighbor and going, well, how are they studying? Maybe I can make this more efficient, save some time. It was just, I know that this works. I'm going to stick with this plan. Yeah. So pick a plan that works for you, stick with that plan and see it to completion. Okay. Then just trust your plan. Stop having anxiety about your plan not working or anything like that. Right. Just trust your plan. I know that's hard to say. It's counterintuitive to say, stop being anxious about something. Right. Right. Um, Or try to relax is I think just a funny phrase. Hey, try to relax. It just doesn't really. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Let me. (laughs) So, um, so beyond that, some of the obvious stuff, like, prepare yourself physically and mentally for this exam, right? So like the day before and the day of, like make sure you're eating, right? Try to eat a balanced diet. Don't be dumb. Um, Sleep before your exam if you can. I always say like, hey, I totally get it. It's like near impossible to sleep. If you're taking your exam in the morning, it's near impossible to sleep that night, right? But the days leading up to that where you're getting adequate sleep, right? Like prepare yourself. Don't don't try to cram and overstress yourself. Like prepare yourself. Get your body the sleep it needs. And then if you have... One restless nights before the exam, that's fine. You know, use that anxiety and that adrenaline to your advantage. But you're not like chronically sleep deprived now when you go in to take your exam. Right. I don't recommend that anyone should study the day before. Yeah, I usually don't either. Everyone says, oh, I got, I'm going to cram. Cramming is just really hurts I think some light review mind. is fine if there's a couple points you just want to like refresh in your head. But like yeah. very light, you know. Yeah, I feel like go out, spend time with your family, spend time with your friends, distract yourself. But just don't stay out super late. You know what I mean? Take yeah. care of yourself. That's what you should do the day before exam is just take care of yourself mentally and physically. I think like light studying, hard cocaine. Nope. No? Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and then, you know, a lot of people push meditation, you know, mm-hmm. doing meditation. That, that's something that can really help your mental health. And we're not saying you got to, you know, pray to a God. We're not saying that you have to do some sort of guru thing or anything like that. Or you have to disconnect your spirit from your body. Meditation, we just mean you know, quietly thinking to, to yourself and processing thoughts that that alone, if you do that right before you go up to take your exam in your car, when you're waiting to take it, it's, it's a huge help in clearing your mind and giving you clarity. So you don't have to have special techniques or anything like that. You don't have to go to a yoga studio to learn how to meditate. We just mean thinking about your thoughts for a little bit, right? Just stay in your, stay in your head for a little bit, think about your thoughts and try to kind of let those pass and go from there. Yeah. Um, and then rest during the exam. Like I told you, when I hit 75, I put my head down for 20 minutes. I'd never heard, I shouldn't say this because there's someone out there that's going to be like, you jerk. <laughs> but I, guys, I, I have never heard of a student struggling with the time frame on the exam. They give you a lot of time to take these questions. You would have to be really struggling with the concepts and getting really hung up on, on individual questions to run out of time. I think... I, I think that they give you adequate time. I yeah. think there are probably some students who struggle with time because they're either overanalyzing every question because they're anxious yeah. or they 
or they don't understand the topics and that's yeah. why it's taking them a long time. So I had a student you, one time tell me though, that they had like a tutor that was telling them a pretty popular tutor that we see on these forums and stuff was telling them like, you need to be able to answer the question in 10 seconds or less and then move on because you're running out of time. Like that is not the case no, guys. I, like, I you, you have minutes for every question. If yeah. you split it up between the max amount of questions you can get, you have minutes for every question and you should really be using every every second of that minute when we teach you this technique on how to read questions. It, it might take some time. The way we'll teach you how to read questions does take a longer period of time than just what you're used to answering. But I promise you, when you get good at it, you're not going to run out of time in this exam. So don't be afraid to rest during. You know, you, you got the time. And you can see your timer, how much time you have left in. So just kind of do the math of how many questions you, max you can get. Hey, I got plenty of time. I'm at 75 and I got two and a half hours left and I'm only an hour in. Okay, well, I can I can put my head down for like an hour if I want to now, right? right? The other so, thing too is that I'll just note that. that the NREMT has been, because of COVID and stuff, letting people take the exam at home. Mm-hmm. That home exam that you take, I mean, there's a proctor on a camera and stuff like that. It is 120 questions, period. Yeah, Everyone gets as 100 of right now. As of the as time of right now, podcast, things get changed. All yeah, the time, but as but, of right now, so like some people be like, "Well, I took it at home and I got 120." Qu-. Yeah, that's that's standard for the home yeah. test. As of right now, like you said, right? Yeah, for sure. So, some other things that I want to talk about are just some preparation for the test, just techniques you can use. One's called memory dumping. So we already talked about having like a good plan executed fully is better than a perfect plan. Memory dumping is a technique that you can use when you have a specific topic that you maybe struggle with. This works good for like. Um, like the rule of nines. I was just gonna say the rule of yeah, nines, the, rule of nines, the, the GCS, par- any formula, GCS. Yeah, the GCS, things that are, are it's hard for you to remember. Right before you go up to take the test, review that information, kind of hold that in your head, and then when you sit down, they give you a piece of paper and a marker that you can write notes on. Quickly write down, draw the picture of the guy, write the Parkland Burn formula out, do the rule of nines, write the write the formulas that you struggle with. And then set that paper aside and just allow yourself a few seconds to just forget that now. Because now you have a reference manual. You don't need to have that fresh in your mind. Because what ends up happening is, I told you in the first test, I got a bunch of burn questions, right? So let's say I didn't go in and memory dump that Parkland burn formula. Now what's happening is I'm not reading the airway question in front of me because I'm constantly anticipating this burn question to come up. Sure. And, it, and it's, trying it's to in remember my, it's in front of my head. If you're it, trying if to remember the rule sense. of nines, don't forget the rule of nines because you might get a burn question. Right. But the question in front of you is not that. And now we're not as present in the current question. We're not taking each question as a test like I talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So like, take each question like a test in order to do that. You got to not be anticipating the test that's yeah. coming up. What are your really rec- throw you What are your recommendations for brain dump? Because you can't brain dump everything, right? So yeah, I always I think would, GCS is huge. Yeah. It, anything you struggle with. The thing is, is if like if the Parkland burn formula and the rule of nines is you can recall that very easily and it's going to be different for everybody, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a, a particular um, drug interaction or, you know, some, sure. something very specific. Mine it would be, be really specific things. GCS because I always get just confused on GCS. I'll make silly mistakes, right? Yeah. I'll make silly mistakes on it and get questions wrong. Anatomy, physiology, probably like OBGYN, pediatrics. You just um, name every topic. <laughs> if I could brain I'm dump like thinking, those, like, how would you put all of A and P on a piece of paper? <laughs> no, but like literally, how uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like a sodium potassium pump or something like that. That's something that confuses you. Like draw it out on the piece of paper and then just set it aside, and then you'll you'll come yeah. to that later, right? So just little things like that. I would say when you're when you're, and this is another way way where practice tests come into play if there are certain questions that like you know you know but you keep getting wrong for like little silly reasons like that might be something you're like okay you know what like let me think of again like for me it's always gcs like i'll miss like one point on one because i'm trying to do it from memory and what an easy question to get right if you just have it written in front of you right Right. so you can kind of see in your practice testing what are some themes of like and and you know what i mean right because like i feel everybody has that they're like oh my gosh like i know that i know that i you know but I keep getting it wrong because I keep making these little yeah. mistakes. And in your practice tests, do memory dumps. So eventually what will happen is you'll start to realize that there's a series of things that if you write on a piece of paper, you do better with when you're taking the test. So use that resource. And then eventually it's you have basically a study guide that you've drawn for yourself out that you have memorized that you write before every test. And then it helps you through the test. I've actually never thought about practicing taking that like one page of note yeah. before practice test. I like that a lot. Cause but yeah, people, I mean, people take study materials into practice tests all the time. Like if I'm sitting at my home and I, I take study materials and you're like, well, but I'm cheating because the book's right here. Well, not really. They allow you to quote unquote, bring your own book. in as long as you can do it from recollection right away. Right. So right. you can come up with a cheat sheet for yourself and then memorize that cheat sheet 
and then dump that before the test and then use that yeah. cheat sheet throughout the test. Yeah. You know, it's a like huge it. advantage that you don't get in a lot of standardized testing. And this is, this is, I think it's just a, it's a big asset to you for you to use. Yeah. So that that's one technique. Um, we talked a little bit about building a plan that you trust, even if it's not necessarily the most efficient thing. Once you do that, make sure you trust your plan and just carry it out. And then the last thing that I would say is, and this is hard for people to hear when we're talking about people who have just failed it and then they join the program, they're like, I need some advice. But they say, or I always say, remember that you get many tries, consider every attempt as test preparation for the time that you're going to pass it. Okay, so we, we do need to kind of change our thinking of what a test is. A test, you can fail a test or you can pass a test and you can have learned something and grown from that. So I think just get out of your head. You get a lot of tries on these tests. Get out of your head the fact that you're not going to make it. Like you will make it. It might be on try number six. You know, it, it just might. So, but you're going to make it. Unless so when you, you go, go to www.guardiantestprep.com. <laughs> then you'll get it on one. No, I, and ideally, <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. And our stats look great. And ideally, you will get it on, on the first time you go through the program or something like that. But keep in mind, you get a lot of tries on this test. It's, mm-hmm. it's normal and healthy and okay. And it's not, a, it's not a reflection on what kind of provider you're going to be if you fail one of them. It's just not. Yeah. So when you go into test one, don't feel like it's your last chance and it's test six. You know, we, we just tend to put so much pressure on ourselves, especially because a lot of you guys are in a period of your life where you're doing this for a career that needs to make you money or so that you can step into a career that needs to make you money to put bread on the table. You know what I mean? So it, how many guys have wanted to stop stripping and haven't been able to because they haven't passed this test? Guys? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but seriously, I, I think that Maybe take take some of the pressure off yourself a little bit and just realize like, hey, by tr- by try number six, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a paramedic. Or by try number six, I'm going to be an EMT. Like, well, I, we I know say, I'm going to get there. We say all the time, so, we know lots of very good EMTs and medics who didn't do well in this exam at all. And we know some EMTs and medics who are not really that great at their job and pass their first try. I mean, it really, regardless of how many times you take it, I mean, it is not a reflection of you as a provider in the field. I mean, just, it, yeah. it's a different type of assessment. Like you, you have to get through it, but you know, I think what we're getting at here is like, just be careful of your self-talk, right? If you walk out and you find out that you were near passing in five areas, but you didn't make all five, you're not a terrible medic. You're not, not never going to get a job. Right. You're not never going to, Oh, now you're not going to be able to feed your family. This spiral down thinking is very common in students that have a lot of pressure on on them so you're going to feel that but you need to be able to self-talk and say no you know what i'm excited for the next opportunity you know i'll get it on the next one and and i'm gonna gonna continue to progress and use this as a stepping stone on my path to success and i will succeed so now we can kind of shift to what i think is the meat and potatoes of stuff is understanding question building all right really if you want to know your enemy (laughs) with this test you have to understand how your enemy thinks and your enemy in this case is the test giver all right now, Chris and I are very much test takers and test givers. So we have learned how to write test questions. And because of that, it's made us better at taking tests. Mm-hmm. So if as a student who doesn't have experience in these things, that's totally okay. We can kind of walk you through a little bit how a question is most often built out. It helps you get in the test giver's head. And then it allows you to do better on the test itself. Okay. So... To give you an example about this, so typically in an, in the average question, um, if it's multiple choice, and I know now the NREMT does some multiple selection choices mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but we're just going to talk about multiple choice as an example for today. So in, in multiple choice, you obviously have the right answer, right? Let's say there's four questions. You got the right answer. What makes something a good question is what comes next, and it's called the distractor. And essentially the... Um, it's, it's that it's the answer that is close to correct or differentiated by some nuances in the question. From it's being the part, correct. it's really the part of the question that like, this is where they're testing your knowledge. Right. Can you distinguish between the, so you may just not know it at all, which is why there's other options, but like either you know it and you know why you know it, or you have an idea of it but you don't know it fully. And, and literally that's the difference between the correct answer and the distractor answer. Yeah. So if you, the distractor is basically your, the, the next best option or the one that would, would be right if it wasn't for the other one. And, and a lot of people say on these tests, like you have to choose the most best answer. <sighs> yes. And no, there, there is a clear, correct answer on every single one of these. Sure. There, there is a clear, correct answer. 
there are sometimes a distractor that is very close, but I'm telling you, the question gives you what you need to know to differentiate those two. That is the point of the question is what makes it strong. If I tell you, you know, if my question is, you know, the sky is a blue, B apple, C pear, D mud. The answer is a blue, but I didn't give you other colors as your distractors. So it's not a good question at all. Right. It doesn't have anything to do with any, anyone could answer that question. Right. Do you know what right. I mean? So if I say, the sky is a blue, B red. Well, at least now it's another cut, co- uh, another, uh, another color. So since A and B are both colors and they have similarities, now I have a stronger question, right? Mm-hmm. So again, very elementary example, yeah, yeah, no. but you ha- you have to have in order for a decent qu- a question to be a good question, you have to have good answers and alternative answers in right. order to make it really test your knowledge. Right. So that's how we use it. So the other things that you'll see are. are two things that I've kind of named. One is the garbage answer. Okay. It's the one that's definitely, it's the, it's the Apple one, right? It, it doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just there. It's the one we where need, if we you, needed, we got lazy and we needed to fill the question. Well, it's also the one that like, if you answered it that way, like you don't know the concept and it's fine, but like that, you know, yeah, it's designed. Those are designed to fill slots in multiple choice and they're throwaways. Okay. There's not a whole lot of those on, on NREMT level tests, but you'll see them sometimes. And then the other is what I like to call, I use this a lot, it's called the Sounds Fancy uh, Answer. If you ever go on our uh, Facebook group, what is the name? I always mix up the name of it. NREMT Daily Daily Practice Questions. NREMT Daily Practice Questions. And you look at some of these questions that we have written. We come up with one a day. You can look, you can answer it, you can get some practice. But if you look at these, I use the Sound Fancy Answer a lot as as an attempt to distract you. So what you do is you just take something that sounds scientific or sounds like it has something to do with it. You take the right... Um, adjective or you take the right um, what am I thinking of like the uh, prefix or suffix of something that has to do with it and you throw it in there and it's designed to throw off educated guesses or or you put in something that is like very complex because you're playing on the fact like again it's a little bit of an evil thing but you're playing on the fact that like do you really know the answer or is something that sounds like something you don't know going to trick you into picking it because if, if it like Again, it's a it's a fancy answer. It may be like a correct statement, but it has nothing to do. But it's it's purposely made fancy or like a medication that you're not used to because it we the test giver wants you to think to yourself, oh, well, I don't even really understand that. So maybe that's the right answer because how could I possibly know the answer? It's like no, no, yeah. no, like you know the answer. That's exactly. what we want you to be able to it's, do. It's designed to it, it's relatable to the question, if that makes sense, right? but it's not relevant to the question. Right. And right. That, that's how you get people is you put in words. Like if you're talking about the muscle, you put something that says sacromere in it because your knowledge knows that, you know, sacromere has something to do with the muscle. Yeah. So I get, it must be that one. But I was asking, you know, about like contractility, right? It just doesn't. And that, to do and that plays to how to read the question. So if you don't mind me jumping in this part too, cause like I said, like the, the, that part of it is what is the question asking? So we always say that you should start with the end of the question before you read the full question. Because what happens is you'll get like a paragraph long question or a question with a bunch. And really the last couple words is what the question question actually is. Yeah. So to give you an example of that, like I could have a whole like, you know, 50 year old male presents with crushing chest pain and shortness of breath. And so it, immediately my mind starts thinking, okay, like, okay, we, is, is this PE? Well, right. Let is me this, stop. You, yeah. Let me stop you right there. If I haven't memory dumped and I have like an anxiety about it, I'm instantly now my mind is going through an infinite number of possibilities concentrated on my weaknesses of what this answer could possibly be. Well, right? even you with presented them. a scenario that has infinite endings and in my mind, yeah, like you said, okay, I already know there's a 50 year old male. Is this going to be about, you know, atypical signs? And of I would say even without, pain? even without a brain dump, right? Like if maybe you brain dumped a couple of things that are like, but like it's, it's so if you start at the beginning of the question and you read a 50 year old man with chest pain, immediately your mind starts thinking like it should clinically. Okay. Is this, you know, is this cardiac ischemia? Is this PE? And then it's like, here's his vital signs. And now you're reading his vital signs. You're like, okay, is that blood pressure high? Is it low? Is the heart rate high? Okay. And then like, and he has a history of this. Okay, okay. If he's got a history of PE, How does that then maybe in? he's on blood thinners, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, what is the first line treatment for this patient? And like the first thing, the first answer is like oxygen. And like, 
You didn't even have to read all, but you right. went through this whole mental gymnastics thing to get to the, like, so we always say, read that part first. Read the end of the question, then read what each answer is. It's going to be a lot easier for your mind to take four answers and slot them into a scenario mm-hmm. as you go and see which one fits than it is to be, read a scenario that has infinite possibilities and then try to cram that into four answers. Does so that make yeah, sense? exactly. Because back to my example, let's say, let's say the answers are oxygen, nitro, aspirin, and heparin right so and the question is what is the you know, what you know what is the first thing so what are the first thing to do we're talking about treatments now so now i'm not thinking about this guy's past medically because like i'm thinking about what right. is the treatment so i'm starting to think like what does he have but i know it's going to be one of these and what is the first thing i'm going to do yeah. so if i go through like okay would i would i give him nitro at this point well no probably not like you're, you're thinking in terms right. of the actual question now as you go through yeah, the as stem. you hear vital signs that are relative to oxygenation you're thinking okay does oxygen slot in here Okay, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Okay, let me move down. You're slotting four options in as opposed to having an infinite number of options. Now, it does go slower. Okay, reading a question like this just goes slower. You'll get faster at it, but because you're kind of breaking your brain, you're doing things differently, it's going to have make you slow things down a little bit. So some other things that we want you to do while you're doing this is pace yourself. You're going to start with the end, read all the answers, then read the entire question. Then ask yourself, what is this question trying to teach me? And then ask yourself, where's the distractor? And then really, if you're, if you're getting more talented at this, have a mental discussion with yourself about why this was a good question or wasn't a good question. Really, what we want to do is turn you into enough of a nerd where you're reading these questions and you're going, oh, this was good because what it's trying to teach me is that oxygen is obviously going to be the front line, but the distractor was aspirin because I'm going to give aspirin later. But you know what I mean? And you start, you right, start playing right. that in your head and you understand you have a comprehensive knowledge of the topic, mm-hmm. which means the question is doing its job, which yeah. means it's a good question, which means you gave it a good answer. And then you can move on to the next test. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we want you to be able to do. Beyond that. And we'll show you an example of this. We'll take you through one. Beyond that, this is where we get a little bit gimmicky. There is educated guessing, all right? Sometimes you will read a question and you'll be like, like I told you guys earlier when I was taking my my NCLEX, I told Chris, like, I didn't know what the question was asking. I didn't know what any answers meant, right? Right, right. This is where you can now apply educated guessing. And a lot of like test prep things will try to give you these things right away. These are only to be used as the last resort. They're not a rule. They can help you when you have no other... You know, and don't no spend a lot point. of time educated guessing, exactly. right? Like spend time reading the questions that way. If you get to something where you really don't know what it's asking, you know, be like, okay, educated guess, bam, move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So one of them is grammatical matching. So using basic grammar rules, sometimes it can lend to what the correct answer is going to be. If I asked you what is the, the best fruit is an blank, and I had apple, pear, grape, and banana banana it would be it apple would have because, to be apple because i said an right after right. an you have to have an a noise right so that that's just grammar you have right. to do that so they just gave away the answer and sometimes we as test givers we're human too we make those mistakes and we give away the answer with grammatical mm-hmm. matching mm-hmm. so that's something to look for another thing to look for is fallacies so if one question if one answer if it is true another answer has to be true as well well guess what neither of them are true Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So you, you have to look at kind of logical fallacies within questions too. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of say if then and ask those kind of questions. Um, the other is, and this is funny because let's say we're going to write a question, Chris. Like let's you and I write a question so that these guys can understand it. So let's say first we got to pick what we want to ask people. Like, what do we want to teach people? So pick a topic. So let's the, say I, I got an example. <clears throat> if you want to just pick that one. We yeah. Can. Okay. So. Yeah, we, we want to we want to talk about. Um, I want to know if people. I want to know if the EMTs and paramedics out there know that a flat line in the EKG is asystole, and we don't shock that. We start we start CPR. Okay, right? that's what yeah. I want. I want that to be what I'm teaching. So we start the topic now. You notice where where Chris got already is he has the answer in his mind really before he's formulated the question. Right. He wants the answer to be either don't shock the patient or. Start, you know, chest start chest compressions instead, right? right? So let's say we, we pick start chest compressions. So there's our answer, right? We have our answer. Now we build the question. So during a pause in CPR, Chris and Jason see a flat line. What should they do now? The answer so is the correct answer is start compressions. What I'm trying to teach is not to shock. So my distractor is obviously going to be shock the yeah. patient. So now right? we're really excited. We've built a question, now, right? Right. We've got a distractor. We've yeah. got an answer, but we also have two multiple choice things that we have to fill. <laughs> right. So now we just start making crap up. All right. So what are some things you do in CPR? 
you give epinephrine. Yep. Okay, so let's throw that in there. And then yep. you give amiodarone on some rhythms. Sure. So let's put that in there, right? So how we write these questions helps you understand what's going on. We get weaker and weaker as we put in more distractors. Yeah. So you can kind of point that out sometimes. And a lot of times, statistically speaking, if you're unsure, pick the longest answer. Because when Chris and I and the caffeine's flowing and we're feeling good and we're writing the question and we want to get real specific about what we're trying to teach, the answer ends up being this really long answer. And then as we get to the distractors, we're just kind of like, Amy, Epi, I don't know. It's not, you're not being as specific enough. Yeah. So if you have to, and you're really not sure by any other means, pick the longest answer and there's a decent chance you'll get it right. Um, Remember that there are pilot questions in the underneath. We, we briefly touched on that. So just remember that you might be answering a question that purposely is broken. It's not written in the correct way. And they would just want to see how an EMT or paramedic in training would respond to that. So just understand that. And then go with your gut and don't change your answer unless you found something in the question that definitely rules it out. All right. There is a weird phenomenon where we found that if you change your answer after you pick your first one, Without um, new data. Without new data. If you just change your answer, you'll get it wrong. Yeah. I don't really get why. There's actually other studies Especially that say that if you do change thing? your answer. The door thing. What is that uh what is that principle, that mathematical principle where you got three doors and it's like the I'll think of it. It's a game it was an old game show. You'd have three doors, he'd open one, the prize isn't in there. So mm-hmm. now you should always switch your door. It's like a rule. Oh, really? You always switch your door statistically better, but that's with three three potential scenarios. Three potential, it's a whole yeah, different yeah. thing. There's but there is a mathematical pr- principle that basically says don't change your answer because you're going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so just don't change your answer. Well, especially when you're when you are base, you do have knowledge here. Whether you feel like during the test yeah. you understand or not, you do. So your gut reaction is usually probably the correct answer because you know something about the terms they're talking about or something about the question or something about the concept. So again, like Jason said, unless you have all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't realize that the blood pressure was low. That must mean, okay, yeah, change your answer. Yeah. But if you're just like, I don't know. I don't know, it doesn't feel good. I'll just switch it to this other one. Or you start doing what Chris talked about earlier. Well, last time I said this <laughs> right, one, right. so if I, if I spread out the stats. Right, right. I know. actually took, there's actually a test I took in like elementary school where it was like, it, you guys have probably, other people have probably taken this, but it's like basically trying to like help predict what you're going to be when you grow up or like, wh- like where your strengths are. And But it was like a bunch of like questions like, would you rather like, you know, Drive work up. with your hands, you know, uh, you know, like, like, like build a, build a chair, write a paper, like write a book, um, you know, do a math equation, do a math yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And I'd be like, I want to build a chair. And then the next question would be like, would you rather build a chair? I'm like, well, I already built a chair. So I'm going to this time write a book. I want to have a very balanced life. <laughs> right. Exactly. I took the <laughs> test like that. So it was like, like, I think like the top thing was like tractor driver was like my like top, <laughs> yeah. like job potential after I took, cause again, like you got to understand what the test is asking. So yeah. again, this test is going to ask you multiple questions about the same concept. Don't just pick random answers to try to like spread out your chances of getting it right because it doesn't even work that way. No, it's so. not going to play to your advantage. So, all right. So, the last thing that we're going to do is we're going to go over this example question and break it down. Okay. So, we do have during a pause in CPR, Chris and Jason see a flat line in the EKG. They should now shock the patient, perform chest compressions, administer epinephrine, or administer amiodarone. We wouldn't read the question this way. No, we would read the last part. They should now. They should now. So, what they the, should now. The now question is, the what is the next thing? That they that I'm going to do. Yep. And then so we have shock the patient. Okay. Perform chest compressions. Okay. Administer epi. Okay. Or administer amiodarone. Okay. Now with that prior knowledge, I'm going into the full question knowing that it's going to be one of these four options. Right. That's an advantage. We have more data than we normally have going into a question. So and we and we probably know based on what it all is what this right. is about. It's going to be about CPR. So during a pause in CPR, Chris and Jason see a flat line in the EKG. They should now. Which one should they do? Now, decent distractors in this one, to be honest with you, because we have shock the patient is our throwaway. We know that you shouldn't shock the patient with a flat line. Perform chest compressions. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. And we're definitely going to administer epinephrine too. But which one do we do next? Right now, we're going right to start, start chest compressions. And right. then we'll get epi going after that, right? So is administer epinephrine right? Yeah, if performed chest compressions wasn't there. Right. But performed chest compressions is 100% the right answer. And this is where they, they people say, oh, you're choosing the best answer, the best right answer out of all of them. That's mm-hmm. It's not really true. Administer epinephrine is not the right answer. It's not what you should do next. Right. You should perform chest Another thing that I'll see people do too, because sometimes they'll be like, well, this is a bad question or they're wrong, is it'll say this question. During a pause in CPR, Chris and Jason see a uh, flatline in the EKG. They should now shock the patient 
administer amiodarone, administer epinephrine, or get further history. And they're like, well, you should start chest compressions. Okay, sure. But that wasn't an option. That's not one of the options. So what is the option? Yeah. Then the answer is, best is administer epinephrine. Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and give the epinephrine. Yeah, so like the people be like, well, that's a bad question. Like, they, like they're wrong. I say, well, no, like the question is asking you something. The, what they want you to know in that, what what they're testing you is what medication do you give next, right? So again, what are they at, What are they testing me? In this question, in the first question, they're asking, do I know that a flat line is asystole and the chest compressions are the most important thing? In my second version of that question, what they're trying to test you is, do you know the next medication that's supposed to be given in an algorithm? Right, so, and you would up the level of that question because you have to have a further, you have to have further comprehension of the situation if I take data away from you mm -hmm. and say, now figure it out. Now what would you do? Right. Now what's best? You have to have an understanding of the topic. Right. So, yeah. Cool. That's like the All right. I don't really know how to end this, but like that's <laughs> so, what we got But hopefully that helps. So like I said, these are, you know, test taking tips, not, I mean, really for any exam, specifically we're focusing obviously in, on the NREMT. If you guys need help with it, I mean, Jason does do this like every week with students. If you're one of our students in our NREMT test prep program, reach out if you need help. If you want to go over this in further detail, we would love to meet with you. If you are looking to take that NREMT, know someone who is, uh, or have taken it before and, and you're feeling discouraged, check us out guardiantestprep.com we really like i said we've got like a 94 percent pass rate after taking our program on the neremt we've got question banks and videos and workbooks and everything you need to succeed and we really do want to see you do that and again a lot of times this is a key part of that is do you know how to take the test yeah so one of the things that, that i do a lot is that students will want to sit down with me and just let's say they've got a question bank like maybe they have a registry ready question bank mm -hmm. and they just want to pick 10 questions and they want to read the questions like we just talked about. They want yeah. to go through the questions in that way. Practice doing the questions in that way with me just kind of sitting there and coaching them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah. And like, honestly, teach this to a friend and then do it back and forth together. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like learn. I mean, it's, it's super beneficial. Again, it can be frustrating because it's slow, but that's how you're actually going to learn. And that's how you're going to actually pass. Yeah. So awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back again next week. Uh, we hope you have a good one. And if you have any questions, feel free to uh, shoot us a message. Stay sweet. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking a listen. Uh, if you are studying for the National Registry exam, we're here to help. We have a National Registry prep program uh, to help you pass that exam. Check us out at guardiantestprep.com. If you'd like continuing education credits uh, for listening to our podcast or watching this on YouTube, follow us at guardiancme.com. 100% free CAPSI credits. Uh, no matter what state or country you're in, uh, we're here to help. So again, we thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week.